It's the Fun to Know podcast with Dan Buskirk. On today's show, violinist Diane Monroe. Some young people don't even know who Pablo Casals was. He was a great, great musical master. He knew the spirituality of music. He understood that it transcended. You know, he said, there are worlds behind these notes, which is very true. You know, you don't play just one note, and it's not a symbol on a page. More and more, we're thinking that that's what it is. We're talking about Max Roach, we're talking about uh, Charlie Parker, you're talking about you know, Ella and Sarah and everybody. Every piece of good music is magic, you know, and it contains secrets. And uh, I think the secrets are, are, are being lost. Welcome back to the Fun to Know podcast. I'm Dan Buskirk, and here we talk to artists, writers, and musicians about their lives and work. You can find the Fun to Know podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Leave comments for us there or email us at funtoknowpodcast, always with the numeral 2, at gmail.com. Our iTunes page is thirsty for reviews for the show, so head on over to our page on iTunes and quench the thirst. Just wanted to announce I'll be back at Fleischer Arts Memorial in January to teach a five-class film studies course entitled Stretching the Canvas, Painters on Film. Together we'll be viewing and discussing Artemisia, the 1997 film by Agnes Merlet about the Italian Baroque painter Artemisia Gentileschi, Love is the Devil, a study for a portrait by Francis Bacon, directed by John Maybury, Mr. Turner, the recent film directed by Mike Lee about the 19th century painter J.M.W. Turner, Seraphine, directed by Martin Provost about the French painter Seraphine Louise, and Vincent and Theo, directed by Robert Altman about Vincent van Gogh and his brother Theo. Classes are free with Fleischer membership, but seating is limited. Go to Fleischer.org for more information. That's F-L-E-I-S-H-E-R.org. On today's show, Diane Monroe. I spent most of the 90s living in San Francisco, and when I returned to my old home of Philadelphia in 2000, I was struck by how rich a pool of musical talent existed in Philadelphia, particularly across the world of Philadelphia jazz. A great place for talent spotting is in Bobby Zankel's incredible jazz orchestra, The Warriors of the Wonderful Sound, a striking group led by saxophonist and composer Bobby Zankel, whose numbers can swell up to a dozen and beyond, including such brilliant players as Julian Presley on alto saxophone, John Swanna and Steve Swell on trombones, Tom Lawton on piano, Craig MacGyver on drums, and Bobby himself, all instrumentalists who can play the music to the highest standards. But for me, Diane's fiery and passionate violin playing always stood out as being a particularly beguiling and brilliant talent. Entering her name in Google and looking at her credentials informed me just how rich and varied her career has been, from leading the string quartet in Max Roach's groundbreaking double quartet, to playing with Witten Marsalis and Yo-Yo Ma and touring with Barbara Streisand. Monroe has been a first-rank session musician and in recent years has turned her attention to jazz improvisation. We finally got to sit down and have a conversation in the studios of WPRB in Princeton to talk about her music and her life. We'll hear that conversation as well as sample her music in duo with vibraphonist Tony Maselli, with Max Roach's double quartet, and with a string trio of New York, and finally alone with a solo piece. I was completely charmed talking to Diane and impressed by how completely she's committed herself to the music. Let's head over to that conversation, but first, let's hear an example of Ms. Monroe's violin playing 
joined by Tony Maselli on Vibes for a run-through of Thelonious Monk's Arenal.
And that's the violin of Diane Monroe. And she is with us in the studio here. Uh, Tony Maselli on the vibes there doing Monk's tune, uh, Aronel, uh, from a release called Alone Together. Uh, good morning, Diane. Good morning, Dan. Hi. How are uh, you doing? <laughs> uh, good to see you. Uh, to start off, tell me about the, the CD and how this uh, came together. You've worked with Tony for a, a lot of years, haven't you? Yes. Actually, we've worked together for at least uh, eight years as duo buddies and, and uh, quartet buddies. Prior to that, I knew him when I was just only playing classical music. And he used to, people, uh, musicians come down to his basement and play his charts. And at the time, he had these, these reimaginings of, of pop charts. For, huh. for for jazz. How and, how many people did he have in these in these jam sessions? Oh, by four, five, six, seven, sometimes. So know. there was some real space for arranging there. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and you know, the string parts was were great, and you know, <laughs> it was great. And and today it has morphed into the Joe's project, which is with his quartet that uh, s- specifically focuses on the you know music of of the, the rock rock music. Music reimagined. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, so Paul Jost being the singer in Tony Maselli's quartet. What, what sort of rock tunes did you did you do? Well, the, oh, wow. We did everything from Jimi Hendrix to, you know, Carole King and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. It was, oh, that's, that's great. Was, it, was, it seemed like I heard you had some live streaming sort of... Uh, Shows where you would uh, you would uh, have the live streams that were set up for, for performances. Yes, well, uh, my partner uh, Tony Maselli, the vibraphonist, he is uh, in fact also a, a videographer. So um, uh, again, in his in his basement in his studio, um, yeah. we we did uh, a, a few streaming. Pi- uh, uh, webcasts. Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, they were so much fun. I mean, my God. I, I think some of that material is uh, viewable on YouTube these days. Actually, yes. Yeah, Tony Maselli, it's M I C E L I. That's uh, Diane Monroe, uh, you should be able to find it yeah. uh, through their search engine. Some beautiful performances there. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I, I, I was first introduced to Diane uh, from going out to shows in Philadelphia, uh, in particular Bobby's Ankle and the Warriors of the Wonderful Sound. Bobby's a, a friend of the show. <laughs> who's been on before and uh sort of show after show after a few times i i saw diane playing it, it was sort of that uh uh I, I was talking to william parker i think he said something oh. about elevating the stage and that we, we were trying <laughs> to get to this point and uh diane really got there i was sort of uh it was sort of that moment where i uh would sort of in, in sort of in half disbelief look around at the people next to me like did, did you see that was that <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who caught that? Um, but, uh, no, she gets quite a response from the crowd and, and quite an incredible player. And uh, I was curious, uh, you know, where this where this player came from. And when I, I looked up your credits online, uh, you know, pretty uh, stellar, uh, playing with a lot of first-rate talent and a, and a lot of great projects, but also playing in that space between uh, classical and, and jazz music over over the recent years, at least. Mm. Uh, so when did you start out? When did you start playing? Are you a classical uh, sort of prodigy from a young age? I did start uh, playing classical music at a young age. Some some could say I was a prodigy, but I was a, an, an unsung prodigy, I guess. <laughs> where, where, <laughs> an under-the-table prodigy. Where did, because, you, where did you grow up? Uh, I, I, I grew up in Philadelphia, in West Philly. I I really attribute all of my talent or my and my development to 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 my family. I mean, they were 
awesomely supportive and also uh, really very musically talented. Uh, my mother played the piano, you know, for weddings and funerals and, and, uh, and churches and, and such, and, and my uncle improvised. And actually, they, they grew up in Harlem, and they lived right across the street from, from the Savoy. Oh, my goodness. So the music that they played, of course, was all, I mean, my, my, my uncle did, did it by ear, and my, my mother did it by sheet music at, at, the, at the, the time that sheet music was really hot at, at that time. <laughs> but they, I mean, seriously, they, they saw Ella Fitzgerald for the first time when she was 15 years old. Oh my I mean, and, you know, they, they, they witnessed uh, Thelonious Monk being booed off the stage <laughs> at, at the Apollo his first time. Oh they actually goodness. threw tomatoes and eggs at him. Can you believe? <laughs> I've never heard that story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, oh my goodness. <laughs> straight, straight from the horse's mouth. Oh, my uh, it, it was just really incredible. I mean, it's just the people who, you know, the musicians, the artists who had passed by, and I, you know, heard heard these stories at home, and always heard the music playing at home. You know, the m- music of Max Roach and Miles Davis, and and Sarah Vaughan and Ella, F- Ella Fitzgerald, and, and I mean, it just the list goes on and on and on. So, I was really involved listening-wise in the music at a very early age. As a matter of fact, at three years old, my uncle taught me how to play boogie-woogie on the piano. <laughs> and then at four, then, then my, the, the, my mother's influence was the fact that she read the music more. She was more concerned about me getting, the, you know, an education in, in reading. So I started classical when I was four years old because I was just begging, begging, begging for the piano because the piano was right there in my home. Yeah. We had a piano. We had... We had a set of bongos, and we had and 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 we had a tambourine. So I was playing. I was on all three of those instruments all the time. <laughs> you know, it was really a lot of fun, actually. And then I, when I started taking piano lessons at that time, this really dates me. But the the the, the, the teacher came to your house, you know, oh, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And Professor Lewis H. Ben came to my house, and uh, he was not only a um, piano teacher but he did teach violin but I didn't even know that and I, I hadn't started violin and he didn't know that I was interested in the violin or anything <laughs> so from four years old to eight years old I, you know I played and 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 stuff and then uh, that, that's a, a great uh, instrument to get your legs on the piano though it really gives a whole compositional range maybe the most you know flexible of all, all the instruments you might come across oh my god yeah I mean as a matter of fact uh, even though when I was eight I took up the violin I my mom made me stick to the piano. I, I played the piano for 12 years, and so I pretty accomplished by the time I, you know, I was, uh, actually I played in my high school jazz band. Do you still piano, have a piano at your house? And Oh, I, I can't live without a piano. I still play, actually. I, I play you know, when, I, when I compose, mostly, yeah. and everything, and it is essential, I think, and I tell all my students that, too, you know, just to really, to, to have that, that harmonic Base. But, yeah, I, I, wanna, I, I definitely want to get to hearing about your career as a, a teacher as well. I know for a lot of musicians, that's just as important and, and as nourishing as their as their own work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so when did you uh, come to the violin? Well, uh, yes, at the age of eight, I um, I started at the, in public schools. I went to Harrington Elementary School, and you know we took that music test for the, from the whole the whole class in the auditorium and everything and and I was asked to come down to the principal's office to pick out an instrument and 
something happened, and we were uh, my class was late getting there, and all was left was a, a violin and <laughs> and and a clarinet like. and a clarinet. And I had asthma at the time, so I could not play the clarinet. You know, very strong wind, and no, I was not. <laughs> so the fate stepped so in. The fa- fate stepped in. <laughs> However, <laughs> speaking of my mother again, she said she had told me before I left that morning. She said, "Yeah, I would love for you to take take up another instrument. As a matter of fact, I would love for you." To, not to take up the violin, however, <laughs> she said. She said because she thought it would probably be too squeaky. <laughs> so here I come home, you know, she swinging the violin, you know, and she goes, "Uh oh." <laughs> but I started to play, and she and she was really quickly, you know, soothed and you know comforted. It's just like, okay, you, she didn't scratch for too long. So. <laughs> what, what were your first impressions of the violin? Was it something you'd seen played you know, with the orchestra, or, or actually, yeah? I mean, in Philly, of course. I mean, you get top-notch uh, listening skills from you know the Philly orchestra. They take you to little outings from school, and you you hear you know you get to box seats in the orchestra to, to, to hear the Philly orchestra, and you're you're mesmerized, you know that kind of thing. But really, I wasn't really fixed on any instrument in the orchestra. I, I was just amazed at the at the, uh, the massive sound and and you know the beautiful sonorities and stuff. But with the violin, somehow I just I took to it immediately. I mean, there was something about the string, and then. I, everything came to me, and my parents started telling me about my grandfather, who played guitar with with all of his brothers. I uh, think you know they used to play for rent parties and stuff like that. But my grandfather was was a very apparently very magical musician. He he just mesmerized everyone with his talent. He could just play. You know, they said that you know Andre Segoia was on, and <laughs> and he would just would would just be copying everything that that Segoia was doing just just as he was playing. And I was like, oh my goodness, wow! <laughs> but he he passed when I was two years old, so I thought I had never heard him. Of course, I had heard him until up until I was two years old, and at the age of eight, I started to play the guitar. How I came about the guitar was that my father one day just happened to buy me one (laughs) and drop it off right on on our couch or our living room couch. And I went, wow, daddy, a guitar, you know, (laughs) and I took it and I started playing it and and I just, I became really close to it. So strings were really really important to me. I, I had the connection, and my grandmother, what, when I was playing, after two weeks of my playing, one day she, she was crying while I was playing, and I said, Mama, why are you crying? And she said, she said, you, you sound just like Papa. Oh, wow. and, and yeah, and she said, my God, you know, and she was the one who taught, because her, my Papa taught my grandmother three chords on the on the guitar she taught me those three chords and and uh, yeah so i went on to be a folk rock funky kind of guitarist and the story <laughs> as the story goes i i was a singer songwriter really yeah oh yeah and oh, i wow. yeah i sang all these all the the james taylor and carol king and and you know and then then i would sing aretha franklin stuff and you know i was arranging so this is the early 70s or... this is the early 70s late 60s yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. How, how old are you uh, 
I'm not going to say that, but but you get the gist. You get I'm the, horrible. You get the math. idea. You, know, you get horrible. No, no. You, know, you get the you get the picture. Yeah, yeah. There's still a youth when you're in this in this uh, folk rock phase. Oh or? my God! Yes, yeah, yes. Okay. And and uh, what was amazing was that I had jazz musicians join me. I had I had a group. Uh, well, I had several groups, but one that stuck was was called uh, Dot 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 and Friends. And this this uh, group was was very special. I had I had an um, amazing recorder player, Joel Levine from Philadelphia. He mm-hmm. hailed from from Germantown, and there were a lot of incredible musicians in Germantown. As a matter of fact, he he and Ori Kane grew up right uh, practically next door to each other. Ori played in the band sometimes too. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we f- we frequented the Togetherness House. Coffee House, which was right next to the Bandbox Theater, if, if, if uh, Philadelphians are listening. Where would that, where, where would that be? <laughs> that yeah. was right in the middle of Germantown. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Don Byron was from Germantown, and, and oh, my goodness gracious, uh, many, many beautiful artists actually came out of Germantown. I know a lot of people that uh, you know, are often thought of as sort of definitive New York artists are actually from Philadelphia originally, somebody like Don Byron. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, also, you know, jo- Joel Levine is, is uh, speaking of unsung heroes, he was in- incredible and is incredible. He's having an, an album is coming out soon with him. He had gone on to to Canada to be a zoologist, but he's a, a really f- facile, incredible artist who um, studied with Bernard Pfeiffer, the, the fantastic uh, pianist, French pianist who, who grew up with, with Al Stauffer in Philadelphia. He okay. was, was very, that's who uh, Joel Levine and Ori Kane studied with. He's a big, big, big teacher, big uh, pedagogues there, yeah. yeah, jazz pedagogues. So I was steeped in all this jazz music, but yet I wasn't playing. You know, I wasn't playing it on my violin. I was yeah. playing it on the piano. I was, I was sort of, I was comping it, and I was, I was riffing on the guitar. But I never, you know, sometimes, occasionally, I would do some some country tunes on the fiddle. You know, I would pick out some. And, you know, we all went to this camp together, which was an amazing arts camp called Lighthouse Art and Music Camp. It was in Pine Grove, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And I'm telling you, we did everything from, you know, from theater to to dance to to music to creative writing. We we had orchestras. We had jazz bands. The great Hankus Netsky from, you know, it hails from NEC. He he started the the Klezmer Conservatory Band, and he's a great jazz musician, great great artist and and wonderful friend. It, it, It was just a very special place and that's where i really got my confidence in the in the talented area you know what i mean yeah, it was yeah. like i was i was with like people and we just you know we just freely played all the time that kind of thing so it, it seems no surprise that you would end up in education because it seems like you, you you had a great musical education uh, coming up well actually that's very true too yes yeah, it's yeah. very true
we're sort of following your life story a little bit. What, what <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, you're talking about your, your singer-songwriter days. We almost had some, some music to, to hear from that. But uh, where, where, did the, where did it go from there? Hmm. Well, I, I was continuing to develop on the violin, of course, and through school. Uh, and schools were kind of, um, I mean, I had a lot of schooling. So <laughs> first I went to Oberlin <laughs> because I wanted to get away from my teacher in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. <laughs> was this, was and, this uh, the time when Cecil Taylor was there or was that a... Uh, uh, no, no, this is this is after Cecil yeah, left yeah. it, actually, yes. Was yes. there much of a jazz program there at all, do you know? Or? Uh, yeah, well, Wendell Logan was there at the time, the mm-hmm. trumpeter uh, who, who actually is, is no longer with us. Um, uh, but he had, he was trying to sustain the jazz program. It, it was between uh, uh, Cleveland Institute of Music, actually, and, and, and Oberlin. They had, they had a, a deal worked out with, with theory classes and, and such like that. But uh, I was, you know, totally steeped in classical music at that point. And, uh, where where you know, did you see yourself uh, going, I guess, uh, heading into, uh, you know, being in an orchestra? Or, uh... Well, I was a... I was a, a chamber music baby. I mean, I started off being a, an orchestral baby because the fact that a lot of in public school training early on, the Philadelphia Orchestra members, we, we, we got to to get coached by them. They would come to, to our public schools and and have one-on-one sessions with us. And late, later, of course, I, I started studying at Settlement Music School privately, but that was... I didn't start studying until, you know, when I started at public school, I was eight. And I was probably, yeah, yeah, I was in seventh grade, you know, when, when I uh, started to, to actually take private lessons at settlement. But anyway, so the Philly Orchestra folks were, were really instrumental, um, encouraging us. And Good to hear their strike was settled over this week. Oh, how about that, hey? Oh, wow. That was quick, too. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> Painless? I don't know, but Le- Leaving the audience in the Kimmel there, I wonder if that got some extra charge out of the uh, strike. How I think, about it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it helped. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But string quartet was more your yes. focus, huh? Yeah, it, it became my focus once I left Philly and uh, discovered Actually, the, believe it or not, the, some of the first string quartets that I discovered w- w- were the Bartok string quartets, mm-hmm. and that's it's kind of um, uh, odd because usually, you know, you go through the the whole <laughs> Mozart, Beethoven, you know, yeah. Brahms, Dvorak, blah blah blah, and then <laughs> just find you know you sort of find your way around to to Bartok. But uh, but not, I was very well, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest classical uh, listener, but Bartok because I was a fan of sort of Hitchcock's film music for some reason, <laughs> Bartok early on. Uh, did did, did draw me the, the sort of more the modern classical uh, realm, you know? Yes, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he he drew from from everywhere, and you could hear it, really hear it in his music, and and also uh, people, folks like Monk, attribute the, uh, some of their uh, understandings, uh, you know, harmonically to to to, to Bela Bartok. He's all um, incorporated famous for incorporating folk melodies as well. I, oh, I absolutely, yeah. from 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 uh, Budapest and from. Uh, uh, also, Indonesian music, and of course, of course, uh, West African music. You can hear throughout the, the rhythms are unbelievable, and in those tight, tight harmonies and stuff. And he's he's really, um, really incredible man. And and my uh, orientation was the fact that uh, I studied my second year of Oberlin, which was my last year there. 
I studied with uh, Richard Young, who who was a violinist at the time. He uh, he was he, he was my violin instructor and the second violinist in the new Hungarian string quartet. Right? Mm. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Dennis Kormzai was 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 the violist who was in the original Hungarian string quartet. Hungarian or with, Budapest? Uh, no, no, Hungarian, Hungarian string okay. quartet. The Hungarian string quartet, mm-hmm. which of which the. Uh, uh, one of the Bartok string quartets w- w- was 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 written for, uh, and so uh, uh, they did a Bartok seminar uh, at the school, and which was just uh, mind blowing to me. And I just like soaked up and ate up Bartok for <laughs> for a whole year. I was I went nuts, and I and my my favorite recording was of course the, the Juilliard recording. Um, uh, you know when when uh, Boris Croit was was in the group, um, but anyway, um, I loved it, and it was uh, uh, it was a real uh, happening for me, and it uh, started me to uh, form groups of my own uh, in chamber music and, and get coached. I remember one of my wonderful coaches at school. Well, they the Toth brothers, of course, and um, from and from Cleveland Symphony. Was uh, Nella Hunkins, which was a great, great, great cellist in the symphony. What do you think you absorbed absorbed from them? From from the teachings, yeah, or, or well, from, from them from them themselves. You 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 seem to really. Uh, yeah, I, I can sense your appreciation of them as people as you talk about the, oh. these people's names or whatever. Well, they, you know, they were, <laughs> they endeared themselves to to, to this to student body. It was it was a very close connection we you know we yeah. had, and and they were very young, so yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a difference too to bond you know and 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 such. And it was it was my formative years, you know that 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 kind of thing. And so I went on to study with Charles Castleman, who is uh, you know. A, a real centerpiece in the chamber music world uh, when when Charles Castleman and Heidi Castleman developed the string quartet program it's called the string quartet the <laughs> quartet program right <laughs> um, uh, it was first housed in Saratoga Springs New York and people like like Itzhak Perlman would come and and Joseph Gingold and all these people were and uh, were coaching uh, these these quartets and was was really quite quite something and so so it was a happening it was like you know it, it was just like now where I'm a jazz musician and you know you just you're sitting in with 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 people you know it's the same same idea mm-hmm. you know we would just jam you know we just play chamber music till 4 a.m. every morning and, you know <laughs> that kind of thing and and, and get up and and you know practice chamber music. 8 a.m. You know, <laughs> was there a renaissance in, in chamber music in that in the time as well? I, I know with the changing economic dynamics of classical, I'm not sure whether you know chamber music might have had more of a showcase in that era. Or, was there a, a moment for chamber music in the, in the <laughs> 70s and 80s? That, oh uh, my God! Yes, yeah. yes. Oh gosh, uh, there were only a few string quartets working, really working, quote, working at that time, you know, Amadeus, uh, Juilliard, uh, you know, Guarneri, Guarneri, and, uh, and a few, uh, Italiano, Italiano, uh, and a few others, a Koch string quartet. Um, 
And uh, when Chamber Music America, the organization, came about in the 80s, which, which uh, Heidi Castleman, my friend and colleague, I mean, and, uh, and a mentor, uh, excuse me, uh, co-founded in the very early, you know, in the, in the uh, early 80s, it transformed. That organization just transformed chamber music. They put chamber music on the map. Mm-hmm. You know, chamber music as, you know, as the term that we, as, as we know, what chamber music means, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I, I have a different de- definition of, of chamber music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but but yes, uh, string quartets uh, are, you know, everybody knows about string quartets now. Where, whereas before, it was like, oh yeah, oh that's an orchestra, isn't it? You know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> but um, the the, um, the the gist is that I could say that when. The first time I went on stage at the Blue Note and sat with, you know, sat down in the string quartet with Max Roach's quartet, <laughs> um, I felt exactly like I felt when I was being coached by Joseph Gingold and Felix Gallimere and everybody at Curtis Institute of Music, which uh, it was chamber music. You know, and and it, that's what it is. You know, it's it's uh, it's interplay. It's mm-hmm. it's connection. It's uh, you know, um, as <laughs> as they uh, technically define it, as one on a part. So, but so you're you're hearing all the voices, which you're hearing them in an individualistic manner. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it's it's a. Uh, it's a synergetic uh, it's a, uh, experience. It's, it's beautiful. It's you know the the, the orchestra is is of course a, a, a larger larger version of that, and you get you you get the ultimate vibrations from that. But mm-hmm. you get you know and the the the, um, the the greats of of the you know classical uh, music in composing they loved their chamber music pieces more because they were more intimate yeah you know yeah, that's could, the word i was thinking of intimacy really. yeah, yeah 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 it just really spoke and this is what my my experience was with max roach on stage yeah. it was it was intimate it was he uh you know we he he would play a line we play a line he just play you know i mean it was just very very special and you can't you can't really put it into words it was uh, uh magical <laughs> Thank you. 
talked a lot about your your sort of classical training and everything but that's the only part of your musical personality mm-hmm. you uh, somehow you know found yourself in more in a, in a jazz context and uh, one of the, uh, uh, the the times I think I first saw your name was uh, as part of the double quartet that Max Roach put together with uh, his quartet his jazz quartet joined by a quartet featuring his his daughter Maxine Roach and uh, as the head violinist Diane Monroe. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so how did, when did you first meet Max? When did this first come together? Well, I met Max through Maxine, his daughter. She's a violist uh, whom I met at Oberlin when, when I was uh, a student at Oberlin. And she just sort of had me in mind. We played we played together there. And a few years later, she, she called me up and said, hey, you know, we, we were, we're, we're getting ready to play the I think it was um, the Cool Jazz Festival at the time at Avery Fisher Hall, and Double Quartet was was, was to appear. And at the time, Gail Dixon uh, was the first violinist, and Kua was the cellist. Kua Dixon, of course, <laughs> and um, the, uh, Cecil McBee was 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 the bassist at the time. Ah. And there was still uh, there, was, there was still uh, Cecil Bridgewater on, on trumpet, of course, and mm-hmm. and. Um, and Odin. So we played, and it, it was so great. It was just so much fun. I just thought I had died and gone to heaven, you know, <laughs> seriously, because I literally, in, in, in my own basement, heard Max Roach. And, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> I knew I, I knew exactly what, what he was going to play before he was going to play it almost. It, it was just amazing. It was just really something special. And when you're playing with him, you, you were playing pretty strict uh, charts and everything. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, we, we weren't playing off the page, you know. Yeah, you were, you, you were the sort of foundation in which the improvising musicians. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I was able to, however, bring my experience of what or transfer from the piano and the guitar to the violin which was you know in, in interpretive you know just phrasing and you know jazz phrasing and and feeling and understanding of articulation and that kind of thing it just sort of came naturally in the bow for me. Absolutely. And, and that's not always true with classical musicians, is it? I, I know that uh, no. not all of them are, are comfortable in an impro- improvisational setting. No, and I wouldn't have been either if I hadn't have been, been really uh, listened so much to jazz as a child and played in my high school jazz band and all that kind of stuff. Been all around all these wonderful jazz musicians, actually. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a real, I, I always sense a, a, a sense of confidence to, to, to really 
step out as a soloist. Like, you know, you need a certain confidence to say, you know, this is my message. It is my music in a way. Yeah. it. Yeah. And it took me, yeah, it's still taking me long to do that. It took me about 25 <laughs> years to get come around to. And now I'm seriously, you know, just uh, studying the book vocabulary, the vocabulary of, of Max Roach, you know. But but as Max said, the, the, the original so-called bebop players of Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk and Charlie Barker. You know, yeah. and and everybody came later. <laughs> you know, I mean, they they could have could have come a minute later or something. But yeah, as, yeah. As far as but Max went, you know, as far as Max said, you it know, seems it like that three. was that was the hot burning center of the universe at it's some point. Center of the universe, seriously. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. So this would be a great place for any Max Roach anecdote you want to tell. <laughs> if there's oh. any any story about him or any <laughs> any detail about him you'd like to pass on, we certainly would love to hear it. Oh wow. Well, he was just a, a, an incredible artist. And I just, I'm just still learning from him. I think just as as, as I go along, you know, because uh, there were so many fundamental things that that he had so innately, you know, in uh, under under the power of his drumsticks, you know, yeah. and 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 his mind. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to have this project um, I have now going on with. Um, a, it's a it's a protest project, and it's uh, sort of uh, well. It's certainly inspired by by Max Roach's Freedom Now suite. Yeah, uh, yeah with Abby Lincoln, you know. Um, and um, we featured that uh, that recording in its entirety here on the show before. Fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah important. Yeah. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, stellar piece of American art. Art, that, exactly, yeah. exactly. And he, he has always been uh, a. a very, very aware of his surroundings and his social in- environment, and has has cried out for change for many, many years, and uh, you know has always you know encouraged us to you know be be on the case. You so, know, so what is this? You said it's a protest project. What is what is the project? Well, it's a it's a project uh, called What is this thing called freedom? And uh, as a matter of fact, I just got awarded a, a, a small grant, but but a, a very powerful one, I think, uh, from, from the Leeway Foundation. It's called the Le- Leeway Social Change Grant, which uh, permits us to now. I have a, well, I'll I'll, um, I'll continue on this trail first. Uh, permits us to perform at uh, the historic Johnson House, which was uh, an underground railroad. Uh, a place um, in Germantown, actually. We will be doing this before December 2016 is over. And we, who is we? We are are a a septet at this point. Uh, It it, it features a rhythm section uh, with with three voices and and violin. And uh, actually there's... uh, Paul Jost is in the group. He's the lead singer. And there's a dancer who sings, who's Jermaine Ingram. And there's a storyteller who sings, who is Charlotte Blake Austin. And Charlotte Blake Austin, of course, is the famous John Blake's sister. Yes, yes, yes. And she is an incredible artist. And they all are incredible artists. We have Tony Maselli on vibes. We have Francois Zayas on drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And Paul Jost, Jost, of course, is the lead 
lead vocalist, and uh, and Gerald Veasley is on uh, on the six string uh, bass. So it's it's a fabulous group, and we uh, will be recording very shortly. And this has come about from the experience that I was telling you about just all these jazz musicians uh, around me all the time and that the camp, the, you know, the Lighthouse Art Music Camp and everything like that. It's just like this conglomeration of, of music, you know, just, just pouring in, in in that time period in the late 60s and, uh, and early 70s and just all the influences and, uh, and, and, and all the, the tragedies that had happened during that time and just to... To just as a, as a child, and it just it just affected me so uh, deeply, and I was writing songs about it at at that time, you know, um, transferred over to the guitar and piano, and so now I'm reimagining them uh, in in more of a, a of a jazz way and contemporary jazz setting, it also expressing through dance and and uh, and uh, spoken word. Now the reason for this is also my my present day. Uh, performances have a lot to do with with dance mm-hmm. and spoken word at, at this point of my my career. And uh, as a matter of fact, I really think that as an artist, a lot of creativity at this point comes from out of a free improvisation, so-called free improvisational uh, existence. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I find myself responding really very well to dance, to motion, to movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to poetry and to, you know, and to, 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 to spoken song, you know, to, to lyrics, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and what, what has come about has, has been this as, as, as a matter of fact, uh, at one point I was, um, uh, we were <laughs> we, we were to 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 premiere this piece. I haven't premiered it yet, but this is a a, a poem by Nikki Giovanni. I oh. I, I put uh, to music you know, the the self evident poem, and we we have it recorded, but we we uh, we we have it's not commercially re- recorded as yet, and we, yeah. we want we want to do that in its premiere. And and it was it was so passionate in that uh, the poem you know to, just talks about how, how um, it's how it's it's so self evident that that uh, all these the status quo is is at place but yet really haven't done anything about it and so <laughs> <laughs> so it goes on and on like that and so uh, getting back to to Max this is uh, really. Um, uh, reflective, you know. Um, I mean, he wrote, wrote We Insist, when was it, in, in the 50s or in the 60s? I think it was around 60... 63, maybe? Uh, might, yeah, somewhere in that, and, you know, within a year or so of that, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with Abby Lincoln taking such a, a great part in that as well. Uh, oh, my yeah. goodness, yes, yes. Uh-huh. She was fabulous in that record, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very interesting. I, I heard her on Fresh Air, and uh, Terry Gross was talking to her about uh, her life with Max, and she was sort of questioning whether Max might have been uh, uh, jealous of her having a career or, you know, wanting her to be more stay-at-home or something. And she got very serious. And was like, Max Roach was a serious musician he would, or a serious artist. He would not in any way do anything that would, uh, you know, uh, hurt my career as an artist. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, no. He was, and as a matter of fact, he was very 
for uh, uh, his uh, for his his female side. He he really uh, expressed how important women were in 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 music and in in art itself. It was really very important. Yeah, that, that collaboration with with him and Abby Lincoln through those years, or, you know, made some some stunning work. It was. It yeah. was really powerful. So the you know the proof is in the work. Yeah. <laughs> so so how how often did you play with him in the double quartet? Were you living in New York at the time, or were you still in Philadelphia? Well, I did start out living in New York uh, in, uh, in in nineteen eighty one when we did the the festival. And uh, I have such a romance about New York in the in the uh, early eighties. There was such uh, a oh, you yes. know such creative uh, juices there. It's so true, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah, it was yeah, a real yeah, special yeah. moment. Yes, yeah. quite so, quite so. Yeah, yeah. When, when when I left, I, I went back to, actually, I went back to my old school, to Oberlin Conservatory of Music, and I taught there for two years. So I was um, in Ohio then, and uh, and Maxine called me again, and the group uh, re- reconfigured. And this time I was the first violinist of, of the double quartet, and I came back. And we played, we played uh, for 11 years, uh, we toured the world, actually, and played the Blue Note we, we, it, each year. He had, he had a, a week or two, uh, you know, um, firm <laughs> at the Blue Note. <laughs> so it was really some uh, amazing experience um, you know, to be, to share the stage with him. And to, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brings back wonderful memories, really. Yes. Uh, you seem like you were doing a lot of session work, uh, uh, maybe around this time as well. I know you you turned up on a Wynton Marsalis record, and uh, yeah, Hot House Flowers. That was a great, great album. That was a beautiful record, and uh, <laughs> Wynton always called it a sleeper. I think <laughs> <laughs> because I think he wanted to to be more, you know, more uh, mainstream than it than it really went because. Boy, we went crazy over it. It was so lovely. Yeah, Such yeah. a great record. Uh, I certainly remember um, selling a lot in my uh, 
uh, jazz record store days. I worked at Tower Records, and uh, you know, we we turned out a lot of those Wynton Marsalis records for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah and I did um, I did some Spike Lee movies. You know, which ones uh, did you, did you work on? Was it with Terrence Blanchard? Uh, it w- yeah, he was w- the whole time. He was the the uh, composer. Yeah. For you know, well, was it more, Mo Better Blues or uh, Mo Better Blues? I did, and the, the first uh, not school days, but uh, uh, man. Can't think of the other one. Uh, got so uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's got to have you it. Got to have it. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, yeah. do the right thing was, was yeah. the, the third one. Yeah. You, you appear on do the right thing. Yes. Soundtrack. Yes, absolutely. That's that's yeah. heavy. That is heavy. It's very yeah. heavy. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a beautiful experience, actually. Sad to hear Bill Nunn's passing uh, just this past week. He played Radio Rahim and. Do wow. the right thing. How about that? Yes. Wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's certainly a, a, a film to uh, to uh, revisit. You know, there's a lot of relevance still there for isn't sure. It, isn't it though? Yeah. Speaking of yeah. social change. <laughs> <laughs> and you played yeah. with with Barbara Streisand uh, oh. around this time as well. Huh? Actually, yeah, yeah. That was around 1994. Her comeback, her first concert, the, the concert, Barbara the concert. Yeah, we were the New York touring orchestra with her and it was a fabulous experience i have a a, a very dear friend uh, ralph morrison who was the concert master of la chamber orchestra at the time he he was touring with barbara and he called me up and he said hey diane you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get on this barbara gig come on let's go let's <laughs> let's do it and i went yeah <laughs> and it was great it was really great maxine roach was on that gig also as well as uh, so a host of of other um String players that we work with in in New York. Did you have but, any interaction with her at, at all? Uh, I, I don't know. With Maxine? No, with Bar- <laughs> with Barbara. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking back of yes, yeah. You know, uh, she was so uh, beautiful to us. You know, she was, she was really gracious and uh, and uh, loving. Actually, always had something great to say about the band. And I just I I just sing her praises. Yeah, I mean I guess it was you know slightly more common then, but but now it just seems richer and richer the idea of singing in front of a live string orchestra. You know, I, uh, not too many people can put that together economically anymore. I, don't I think. know, I know. Yeah. But to to but sing and feel those string surge behind you must be a you know an incredible experience. Oh, absolutely. And Marvin Hamlish, you know, the, the the two of them were. A team, they really were. I mean, you could you could feel it at work. Was he conducting? He, he was conducting also. Yes. Wow. What was Marvin Hamlish yeah. like? I mean, he was yeah. a celebrity uh, himself as, oh, in yeah. the seventies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were they were like family. You know, it was it was like yeah. a, a family experience actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite something. Quite something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those were were great times. And another credit I, I saw uh, looking through, uh, I think the the all, all music guide was Mary J. Blige, and and you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I, yeah, I was on one of her records. I, 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 and I didn't know. I didn't even. Oh, know. you didn't you even know, realize. Yes, yeah, sometimes you, do, you that slips by. You know, when you're doing a session, you, you, you know, you know, you can't remember. Ah, really? I was on that record. Oh, yes, 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 yes. There are a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of really there are a lot of Philly records I was on, like with, with, the, with the Delphonics and the, and the, and and uh, I, I think maybe even one Temptation really? record. Oh, yeah, man. No, we worked. It, it was you know it was. Uh, uh, international uh, Philly International Philly International and a whole another uh, sound dream and, yeah sure <laughs> sure I mean you know it was like it was it was wonderful I mean uh, and the inspirations uh, were um, 
uh, John Blake, of course. You know, he 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 contracted a lot of those Philly gigs for us. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah. Richard Jones, who was um, uh, in, in his nineties now and still playing, actually was was contracting a lot. And the, you know, all the Motown records, some of the Motown records and stuff. Oh yeah, this is like yeah, Philly International just in the news again recently because they've released. Uh, an unreleased recording from David Bowie when he came to Philadelphia to Sigma Sound. Wow. Uh, there was an earlier version of Young uh, Americans that he kind of retooled and, and, and changed a lot of songs, but it's just been released and, and part of some large package. And great to hear that Philly International sound swell up again, you know. How about it? Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, so the, this was uh, somewhat of a later trans- transition that you made from being a, you know, a classical uh, performer to to being a jazz performer. When when did that actually? When did you you know remake yourself in that direction? If, if that's the right word. <laughs> well, uh, yesterday actually, <laughs> just yesterday about three p.m. Uh, to be exact. Yes. <laughs> Change your status out of the union to jazz musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. That, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like I reluctantly, you know, uh, have to change a, you know, a title, you know, because I was, you know, obviously, you know, uh, had had ties to the music in the past, you know. But I, I you know, of course, just me being somewhat of a purist, I, I also feel that, you know, I mean, if you don't know the vocabulary, you don't know the vocabulary. You know, it's like I was, uh, you know, really uh, r- rooted in the uh, so-called contemporary styles. And, you know, I played with a lot of contemporary groups in, in the so-called classical, but, but it's the same music. You know, you know, the, the notes are the same. There's only 12, 12 <laughs> notes, and, and they all use the same notes. It's not, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not any different. And I mean, labeling, like labeling it at all it sort of is, is almost uh, a commercially rooted exercise than, than necessarily a, a musical one. You yes, know? of course. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it, and it defines the business aspects of, you know, and compartmentalizes as well, unfortunately, you know. Yeah. But uh, that's why so, I always build you as violinist. I, I didn't get any more adjectives than that. No, no, no more. To... <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a high compliment. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, it's 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 been it's been thrilling though, just to uh, realize, uh, you know, more of 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 a focus. I think I I went from doing everything and being all over the place and, and uh, absorbing things. And, and, and now is a time for um, not only reflection, but of, of focus, yeah. you know, and it's really, it's really very difficult for me, <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, but, but it's so rewarding because it's, it, it is my world and has been my world really for all my life, yeah. you know, and, and it's, uh, I have, I was just um, temporarily, on the academic track, you know what I mean, and it's and it's fine to be, and and I still play classical music. I mean, they're, you know, so-called classical music. I always say so-called with <laughs> you know with this because the, these labels don't don't fit well with me. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm I, I certainly feel that 
everything. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Max used to say this. He said he used to say that you're you're just adding on. You're you know the, the one vocabulary you add on to the to the other. And really, I like to call it also. I I just like to call it cultural because it's what it is. What you're adding on one culture and you you're you're checking out this culture and that culture. And we we don't think in terms of of culture, you know. Uh, but there's so there you know if if we really dug into the the, the, the the cultural pot wow you know uh the radio would be totally different actually yeah, yeah. for for one have we have we even uh, talked about all the all the groups that you're part of now are you you're still sort of playing regularly with with Bobby Zankel's band right with Bobby Zankel yeah we have something coming up in in November and December of course mm-hmm. at the painted bride and uh uh at the Clef club in Philadelphia uh-huh. mhm mhm yeah that's uh, those are, are his his uh, mainstays, actually, now at this point mm-hmm. in time, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw him with Oliver Lake and and you, I think, uh, earlier this year at the uh, oh yeah Painted Oliver. Bride. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes, wonderful yes. show. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 fantastic. And, and, and you still play with Tony Maselli? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We have the duo, uh, and I have uh, the quartet uh, with with Tony in, in involved in that as well. And book, book something with that quartet that I can come see. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have to wait a little while, actually, till November. Okay. We have something uh, in Westchester, actually. We, oh. have, we, we, yeah, we have a uh, performance at um, uh, Westchester University. So uh, we'll um, let you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> would, you, would you ever consider recording uh, or performing solo? Well, uh, just uh, unaccompanied, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, I do have uh, some repertoire, um, solo repertoire, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I have been building over the years, and uh, um, that is actually, uh, it feels to me, a, a, a compliment, complimentary to uh, the, the uh, watching movement also you know and um, and 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 listening to, to to poetry as well i get a lot of inspiration from you know uh, that those idioms uh through my uh, in my unaccompanied work yeah actually well, and well, and also it brings me back to the old to, to to the older older music which is spirituals and blues and stuff and uh, as actually one of my <clears throat> you were talking about asking me uh, briefly about uh education I um what one of my um, uh, uh, involvements in in uh, in music string music education was uh, with the East with the East Harlem violin program the Opus 118 with the mm-hmm. Roberta Severus's uh, group which the the one that uh, had the fiddle fest at Carnegie Hall and. Uh-huh. And uh, had the music, the uh, the movie actually that Meryl Streep right. played, the yeah. music of the heart, which I was involved in. Uh, is, uh, oh, you were involved in that? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm in the movie. You're in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. We might were have heard end, that as yeah, 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 yeah. All the all the uh, artists were were featured with the kids at the end of the wow. movie. Wow. Yeah, it was really a beautiful thing with uh, you know with um, Isaac Stern and Nietzsche like Perlman and and uh, of course of course. Um, uh, uh, Arnold Steinhardt, who was was uh, really uh, instrumental in in putting putting this it, it all together, he and his wife <clears throat> Dartea, 
um, and uh, Michael Tree, the violist, violinist, and uh, of course, and uh, uh, so so many others that you know, Karen Briggs was playing, Mark O'Connor was playing, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then ten years later, there was a there was a follow up. It was uh, two thousand three. We had a follow up. Uh, she, um, it was it was actually a real event mm-hmm. that Meryl Streep. Uh, uh, was in the movie uh, reenacted. She sort of hosted. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. actually, she didn't know. She didn't host it really, but she was. <laughs> she played Roberta Severus, the violin teacher. Yeah, actually, yeah. yes, yes. Um, the the event at Carnegie Hall took place in 1993, and then the follow up uh, in 2003 um, uh, had had even more musicians mm-hmm. to it. Uh, Joshua Bell was there, and uh, it was just like all these these wonderful. Wonderful music. Bobby Bobby McFerrin <laughs> sang a chorus. You know, it's just like he was, he was amazing. He, <laughs> as usual. Another name I wanted to run past you that I think I saw connected to you is Yo-Yo Ma. Uh, yes. You yes. played with Yo-Yo Ma. Actually, I had the incredible honor to to play with him. Lots of people have played with Yo-Yo Ma, but I I, I, I feel <laughs> blessed also that I I too had a chance to play with Yo-Yo. Um, uh, 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 Lin Chang was a, a friend of, of my teacher's and now a friend of mine. He's a violinist who who teaches at uh, Boston Conservatory Music, and um, uh, he, he and Yo-Yo have been good friends for many, many years. And uh, uh, so uh, my teacher, Charlie Kassman, called me up, and, and he said, Hey, Lin Chang has a gig for you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, No kidding? Is it really? He says, uh, uh, The Mark Morris Dance Company was, was hosting Yo-Yo and, um, and Barishnikov. Uh, because at that time they wanted to uh, <clears throat> collaborate together, um, and uh, they they found a platform in, in, in with Mark Morris uh, doing the, the string quartets of Henry Cowell, who's mm-hmm. uh, who hails from uh, uh, California. He did yeah yeah yeah, and it's a, a marvelous work, sl- a slew of them actually, and we did a week long. Uh, thing and so so w- w- what was happening was that Yo-Yo and Barishnikov were were ch- sort of trying each other out, you know, through this venue of of string quartets and 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 through the venue of of uh, Mark Morris's uh, cho- choreography, and so it 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 worked out fine. I I I know it worked out fine for me, and it worked <laughs> out fine for them too. <laughs> no, it was very exciting. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, yeah, we played uh, also. The, the violist in the group was uh, Misha Amory, who was uh, also a wonderful violist in in a, in a, a very uh, very popular string quartet these days, and. Uh, Yo-Yo was it was so uh, gracious as he as he is, uh, of course, you know, and he and he played his ass oh his, his, his little butt off. <laughs> no, he, he was really amazing. He was just quite something, and I I was really um, well. I haven't seen him in a very long time, but uh, yeah. yeah, but because he you know because he was uh, probably just a, a a few years after. We came along. You, there, there are so many. You know, the music business is is so tight knit that everybody knows each other. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, 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 yeah. It was really wonderful experience. Speaking of string quartets and <laughs> and chamber music. Yeah. Uh, let's take one more break before we wrap this up and and, and play uh, play one more cut uh, with you and, and uh, with John Lindbergh. Is that what we have queued up here? I think. 
Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's uh, John Lindbergh and James Emery, the guitarist. Uh, they're fantastic players in the String Trio of New York. And you you recorded with them as as part of the trio. Uh, yes, yeah. I was a member of the trio for four years uh, after after Regina Carter. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was uh, first it was Billy Bang, uh, of course. Mm -hmm. He was he was a founding member. You played some Billy Bang earlier here. Yeah, today. I heard. I heard. Uh, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's somebody he's, who just yeah very. I feel very deeply about Billy Bang. Oh, his music. all right. Yeah. Yes, and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it was Billy, and then it was Charles Burnham. Uh, from, uh, it was incredible. Odyssey, yeah. Oh, just so such a sweet player. Yeah, oh, he played God. in James Almer, James Blood Almer's uh, group. That's uh, right. That's yeah, right. Odyssey. Uh, he made a couple really stellar recordings with with that that group. Wow. Yeah. And and he also plays with Cassandra Wilson. Wilson. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, very much so. Um, and then there was Regina, who was there for five or six years. Uh, and then and then then uh, I joined the group. And now uh, Ron Thomas is in the group. Huh. So, so uh, during the time when I was in the group, they had uh, a twenty-year anniversary. So this is uh, th this record is a Phase Four anniversary of this group. And as a matter of fact, I I just recently played a, a, a duo concert with with the guitarist James Emery. Um, huh. at, yeah, in Philadelphia, um, uh, and it was uh, it's it's wonderful. He's he's a, a really very very special artist and 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 friend. To, uh, of of mine and uh, so 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 is John. I haven't seen John in, in a very <laughs> long time. He's he's they're all incredible, and I learned so much from 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 them. And uh, James James wrote the cut. We're we're going to hear right. He wrote this cut. He wrote this cut. Is he's an extremely fine uh, composer as, uh -huh. as well as player. Well, let's hear the string the, the string trio of New York with uh, with our guest Diane Monroe.
You know, I, I, I wish I could have gotten all this research done before uh, Diane Monroe joined me in the studio because uh, she's slipping out little uh, <laughs> little tidbits in her conversation off air. And uh, I mentioned that we were talking about Mary Lou Williams appearing on uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's a, a nice clip to look at on YouTube. And, and, and Miss Monroe uh, mentioned, uh, yes, I've appeared on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> Tell me about your appearance on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, well, it was with the Uptown String Quartet. Ted, Max Roach's group. And, wow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It was uh, just the string quartet this time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, wow, Mr. Rogers, he, he was a wonderful man. Oh, my goodness. I've, on, I've only heard that report. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we played, um, actually, we uh, performed in, in, in Pittsburgh um, at the MCG. Uh, Hall and uh, he was he he was there actually with with his entourage and came his up entourage. to us and <laughs> yeah oh yeah no, he had his his folks were, Mr. Were, Rogers has a posse has a posse <laughs> oh, oh yeah it was the Rogers posse for sure <laughs> and and they were so wonderful to us and and just said yeah we'd love to have you on the show and blah blah so we went down and. And um, and the whole day was marvelous. It was it was uh, it was just really warm, and uh, sensitive. And uh, he was it, actually it's um, somewhere in the archives. You you, you can find it oh, on, really? online, I, I believe. Oh um, wow! If, if, if not. Um, Let's see. <laughs> well, if not in the bowels of my basement somewhere. <laughs> no, no. If it's um, available to see, I will see it by the end of the day yes, today. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, if, <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. I have seen many uh, reruns 
yeah. on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Late, lately, re- re- recently. Really, actually, that's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah. I wanted so, to get to before yeah. before we before we uh, wrap things up here. I wanted to talk about your uh, your career as a, as a teacher as well. Ah. I know that you've you've talked a lot about the teachers that have been important to you, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen a lot as, as a teacher of uh, young talent. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what, what do you think of the youth of today? That's a question I often oh, well, like to a, ask. Oh, that's so huge. But <laughs> 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 well, um, I just, I just love, I just love teaching and, and uh, interacting with with uh, children, with youth, and uh, it teaches me so much. I mean, I just learn from from them, and uh, always and always, you know, um, that's. That's just what teaching is about, really, you know. And uh, each each student is an exploration, and uh, and I I was very uh, fortunate in in having some great teachers, not early on, uh, uh, but but uh, you know later in my career, and they taught me just just that. You know, I I think that today um, there's. Uh, you know, well, when I was growing up, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the the time, the chamber music time, as we were talking about earlier, was very, very uh, steamy and hot and, and and bubbling, you know, and and music, music was the center of of everything, you know, just making music and and the essence of music making, you know, uh, there were pedagogues like like Karen Tuttle and, and Joseph Gingold and Misha Schneider and Sasha Schneider and, and all the Guarneri Quartet and all the Cleveland Quartet and all these people who were just stellar artists who learned from and or were, you know, members of Budapest and, and beyond, you know, and the, this was cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. You know, Marlboro Music was flourishing. I was at Marlboro Music Festival for 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 three years and 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 with with Rudolf Serkin everybody was just it's just incredible talking about music i mean these these people were Julia, julius levine the the the, the bassist he was just incredible musician artist and uh and mentor and always talked in terms of organic music you know music as energy music as movement music as as depth as, so do you as find a way to emp- to emphasize that with the, with the, the students you have uh? well i try i try I, th- I seem to 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 think that the the trend is so now uh, so commercial now and so geared toward uh, getting a gig and getting a job which is totally understandable of course in this world today, and and but you know the the emphasis is uh, a lot off of 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 music making of of actual making a phrase, you know, yeah. as, uh, and more making a career maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some some young people don't even know who Pablo Casals was. You know, he was a great great musical master. And he, you know, he knew the spirituality of music. He knew the, 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 the rudiments of music. He, 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 he understood that it transcended. You know, he said, he said that, uh, you know, so there, are, there are worlds behind these notes, you know, which, yeah. is, which is very true. You know, you don't play just one note, and it's just not just one note, and it's not a symbol on a page. But, but uh, more and more, 
we're thinking that that's what it is. You know, you know, yeah. you, 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 we, we, you know, we're talking about Max Roach. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Charlie Parker. You're talking about, the, you know, Ella and Sarah and everybody. And it's just like that music is a lie. There's something behind that. And there's something behind, you know, the, the Bartok string quartets. There's something behind the Beethoven string quartets. And the, every, every piece of, of musical, it, it, music that, of, every piece of good music is magic, yeah, you yeah. know, and it contains secrets as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, you know. And uh, I think the secrets are, are, are being lost with, uh, you know, with, with our students today. We, we need to get back to, to reality. A lot of teachers I've talked to have uh, talked to um, a struggle with the, with the most recent generation and trying to, uh, to get that discipline and that attention just because they, they, you know, a lot of people sort of, uh, you know, pop psychologize or whatever about the, mm. that, it, that it's, you know, the sort of electronic world we live in with the phones flashing at us at all the time that he's mm -hmm. not sure that we really have the buckled down discipline that we used to. Uh, I've heard some teachers. I don't know if that's something you've found or. Uh, of course. Of yeah. course. Absolutely. I mean, it's the, it's the trend of the of the world, you know, it just you can look at any paper and you can turn on the TV at any time and you see that um, the focus is is, is elsewhere, you yeah. know. And uh, and and everything in between, it seems like is retro. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> trying to get the old music stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it's it's uh, at least that. I mean, at least some sometimes I can pinpoint with a student. I can say, oh, if you're listening to thus and such, you know, if you're listening to uh, I don't know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, it's just like, and you can go back and and you can listen to these the South South African voices, and you just like, you know, and 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 check that out, and just see how the feeling, all this all this feeling in the music was there, you know, it's just like, and 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 the the, the, the cultures are different, the purpose is 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 as deep you 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 know you get a message people send messages artists send messages you know through through their music and yeah. that's what i think and i feel very passionate about that sure uh, sure uh, yeah so many of those artists you know if you're tapped into the music looms so large you know somebody like thelonious monk or oh or duke God. ellington you can spend a lifetime you know uh going over with a, you know, the gift they left us, you know, the gift they yeah. left behind, you know, I, I don't think a day goes by, I don't think of Thelonious Monk, you know, and, I'm telling you. and, and those rhythms and uh, those yeah. harmonies, you know. Seriously, yeah, it's, it stays, that energy stays, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. stays with us, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming out and uh, speaking to us today. Oh, Dan, I'm, you know, I'm just really, really thrilled to be here, <laughs> thank you.
One, two, three, four. That's it for our show. Again, thanks to Diane Monroe for coming to the studios of WPRB to talk. You can find out more about Diane Monroe at dianemonroemusic.com. Thanks to WPRB. Find out more about WPRB at wprb.com. And you can catch past episodes of the Fun to Know podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Catch me spinning jazz Mondays at 11 a.m. EST on WPRB Princeton. Read my reviews at Falker.com and check back for more Fun to Know. We're free, I tell you. So wake up. It's time.